Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 2, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from recipe ideas to interviews with chefs, producers, purveyors, farmers, and people who just love culinary adventures like myself. So join us here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some yummy food, some laughs, and I welcome you here at my table always. And if you're ready, let's go on a food adventure together starting right now. You're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is Season 2, Episode 22, Connection. Now, before we get started, thanks for being here. First and foremost, if you're new to the podcast, seriously, thank you for listening. You've got a whole lot of catching up to do if you love it. If you've been here a while, well, then you know what I'm going to say. Go to my website for all of the show notes. It's ElizabethRFuller.com. While you're there, check out my amazing food and product photography. I'm a professional photographer. It's what I do for a living. It's how I make money and how I pay my bills and what I love to do. So if you need photos for your brand for marketing, food and product, or something else, well, hit me up. If you've got questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any kind, send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And of course, Tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram. I love seeing them at Let's Go on a Food Adventure. All right, you guys, let's do this. Oh, wait, before we get started, we have a sponsor this week. Howdy, food adventurers. I'm Neil Dudley, the vice president of Peterson's Farms. We produce top quality bacon, sausage, and ham from humanely raised animals that are never fed any animal byproducts. We're real people making real food. To learn more about what we do, visit petersonsfarms.com. Now that's with a D, not a T. P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N-S-F-A-R-M-S dot com. And since we're fans of this podcast, we'd like to offer you 30% off your next order if you use the discount code ADVENTURE30. Again, that's ADVENTURE30. Enter it at checkout, 30% off your order one time. See you there. All right, and now back to the show. So how was everyone's weekend? It was an action-packed weekend for sure. I mean, Father's Day and then Juneteenth, which is such a wonderful and important holiday that is uh, newly celebrated and recognized here in the U.S. And I truly hope um, that everyone listening took some time to educate themselves maybe a little deeper on why it's such an important holiday, if you didn't know already. And also, it's, you know, one of the things that we as a society, I think don't take enough time to notice is a lot of the food on our plates here in the U.S. staple ingredients that are used in a lot of your cooking that you consume, I don't know, daily, if it's daily, but often came because of enslaved Africans. And I challenge you to do some research on that and acknowledge that and pay some respect and, again, keep the momentum going for all of the campaigns out there, including Black Lives Matter and so many others. So I know that's what I did on the Monday holiday and the observation of Juneteenth. So I encourage you to do the same if you if you um, feel inspired to do so. And uh, even if you don't, well, take some time and acknowledge why we celebrate this holiday, please. It's very, 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 very important. 
So the topic of today's conversation, if you didn't get it from <laughs> the title of the episode, today we are talking about coffee. I love coffee. I drink coffee every morning. I, uh, fun fact, worked at a Dunkin' Donuts when I was 14. Um, one of my best friends growing up, her dad had a ton of them in the town we grew up in, and he was like the king of Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, yeah, so I worked at a Dunkin' Donuts. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what a Dunkin' Donuts is, it's like an American, especially started here in New England, coffee chain um, that, you know, you go in, you get a regular, it's cream and sugar in a coffee. <laughs> and it's a very New England thing that then took kind of the U.S. by storm in a lot of other regions in America. And uh, it's a pretty, it's now just called Dunkin'. It's a pretty popular, definitely New England-centric coffee brand. It's not the world's greatest cup of coffee by any stretch of the imagination, but there is something very nostalgic about getting like uh, iced coffee in the summertime from from Dunks. Anyway, so I, yeah, I love coffee. I um, am someone who drinks it every morning. I like an afternoon cup of coffee. I uh, will not, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm super sensitive to caffeine, but I definitely avoid caffeine after like a certain time in the afternoon for the most part. So I like only drink coffee until maybe two-ish at the latest three o'clock. And that would be like a really late cup for me. My aunt who's listening, I'm sure, my aunt Darcy, love you do. She does this amazing thing called a coffee nap. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna coin that she invented this. She is a genius. So what she does, she will pound like a shot of espresso, a cup of coffee, something lay down for a nap and you got to time it right, lay down for a nap. And then like by the time you wake up from your half hour, 45 minute little nippy, the coffee's kicked in and you are ready to go. No grogginess. She's, she's the queen. I love you do. Um, so uh, we're talking about coffee today. I have an expert who's about to come on and, uh, our conversation goes so long that this is going to be a two-parter surprise. So a part A today and then part two uh, next week. And uh, before we get started, I was doing a little more research about coffee plants and coffee trees. And um, I thought this was an interesting fun fact. I'm not always about the fun facts on this podcast, but I guess last week and now this week, a couple of fun facts. So did you know, <laughs> per Google, I did Google this, that one plant, tree, whatever, for coffee, produces about 2,000 coffee cherries a year, which has about 4,000 coffee beans in it because a cherry contains usually two coffee beans, which once roasted only translates to one pound of roasted coffee per healthy tree. Let that sink in for a second because my guest is going to say a fun fact at the top of our conversation that take that into consideration when she says what she says. Um, the coffee plants can live for about 100 years, but their most productive time is like 7 to 20 years old. Um, and there's only one harvest per year. So for the amount of coffee we consume worldwide, think about how many plants 
we need to sustain our coffee culture worldwide because coffee is a huge thing that is enjoyed in many, many, many countries and places around the world. Um, So let that sink in for a second. And coffee plants need an obscene amount of water, which is why they grow in the regions they grow in. Um, It's just, it's, once I read some of these statistics and then learned how much coffee we consume as a, not just a nation, but as like a planet, it really puts it into perspective of like just everything. You know what I mean? Anyway, let's get going. I can go on forever. Mind blown. Hold on. Let's get going with this. All right. Where's that fun music? Here it goes. Sweet. So, you know, there's certain people you meet in your life and you guys, and like instantly you have a great connection and just a, an amazing rapport with them. And you think to yourself, why haven't we been friends? How, how did our paths not cross sooner? And then you're just like instant best friends. Well, my guest and I today, we are sisters from another mister for sure, for sure. She has an incredible love and passion for all things coffee. Yeah. And we're getting into it. So I, I challenge you right now to please grab a big cup of coffee however you like to drink it and by the end of this conversation you will be so enlightened so inspired to brew yourself an even better cup of coffee because my guess is you've been doing it wrong this whole time so please welcome to the podcast monica rosales hey monica how's it going hey beth it's going great how are you i'm good so i've got my iced coffee right here which you're probably yeah you've got like probably some like amazing what are you drinking let's tell everyone I'm actually I'm drinking a double espresso and Mm -hmm. uh with a little bit of heated cream um to get my to get my morning off uh perfectly oh my god I can't wait to dive into this like we have so much to talk about (laughs) I'm drinking an iced coffee that shame on bath that I um made a bigger chemex pot of coffee this morning and then I just left it out on the counter and I just saw it right now before we were jumping on. And I was like, well, when you put some of that on ice, so it is a little watered down. I'm not going to lie, but, but um, at least you let it cool down yeah. and come to like room temperature prior because um, it's cringeworthy, but I will tell you the good, the bad, the ugly that I've seen in the coffee industry. Um, I have seen people making iced coffee where they brew hot coffee and then they pour it over ice without taking into consideration the dilution ratio. Um, and it's like, oh, okay. Or, you know, uh, pour, you know, like a shot of espresso over ice. I'm like, no, no, okay. <laughs> let it cool, let it cool. Or double it up or do something or just drink it hot. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we got it. Before we dive into coffee, we got to know a little bit more about my girl Monica here. Where are you from originally? What are you doing now? Yeah, so I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, um, born and raised. Um, I went to school at the University of San Francisco, and I was in um, the hospitality management program as well as communications. But um, that's kind of where I got my big introduction to coffee, you know, on a 
official level besides, you know, dabbling in it just for my own personal enjoyment. Um, but I was the first student out of the program that got into the vendor side of the business um, and joined a coffee company to work with all the fabulous hotels and restaurants and um, different uh, places that serve coffee. Yeah, that's in, that's incredible. Like we have a very similar trajectory with college and just our personalities in general. Like you, I don't know how we haven't met somewhere in the ether before. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. I don't know, but I'm so glad you're in my life now because like literally we are very similar humans. Our energy level is very up there. Even without caffeine, we're still happy, <laughs> bubbly, awesome people. And like, I too did the communications thing and I too did a hospitality, but I did sales thing. So it was like, we kind of had these very parallel stories and then branched off into two totally different worlds because now you're not into coffee. Now you're into cybersecurity, totally cybersecurity <laughs> which is very different than coffee. And like, yeah. if people knew what goes on behind the scenes in the cybersecurity world, it would blow your mind. Monica can't talk about it but it right. would blow your mind. Well, I don't know. You <laughs> well, can, but I would imagine that you're under like huge NDAs and everything else. So, but you know what? Kind of similar. If you saw some of the things that happened behind the scenes in coffee, uh -huh. it might blow your mind as well. I mean, there were some days where I'm like, am I on candid camera and, or I should write like a kitchen confidentials <sighs> book of some of the things that I have experienced, witnessed and, um, been part of. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. We're, and we're going to get into that good, the bad and the ugly, but why we got to start with why coffee? Like, you know, it's something we all consume sometimes just in the morning, sometimes throughout the day, sometimes even in the evening, depending on where in the country you are and how you tolerate caffeine. But, you know, not all of us really find it, uh, the passion that you have for these beautiful little beans so why coffee? Just, it just was the program you happened to fall into or? Well, I would say a little bit by circumstance. So um, prior to getting into coffee, I was actually in high tech. Um, so worked for a dot-com, kind of rode that bubble. It was amazing. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately when the dot-com crashed, so did my marketing role. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I've done marketing now for a couple of years and would love to get into sales. And um, when I was thinking back to, you know, gosh, well, what, what do I love? What really interests me? And, um, you know, then looking back at, you know, my program at school, I thought, hey, you know what, let me kind of get more into the heart of hospitality. And, you know, coffee is, uh, it's a little fun trivia. It's um, the number two commodity imported into the US each year. Oil's number one, coffee wow. is number two. Wow. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Like we consume a lot of coffee. Wow. Yeah. So um, I had the opportunity to, um, you know, think about, you know, kind of like some companies and things like that. And there was um, a Sara Lee corporation. Um, nobody ever thinks of them for their coffee. They think about them for their pound cake. Um, <laughs> right. So Which true. It goes so well true. with coffee, right? There's yeah, a yeah. coffee, you Absolutely. know, maybe like a Colombian. We can talk about coffee and dessert pairings later. Okay, um, but I contacted um, the like VP of the Western region because he and his team actually volunteered and they were mentors for the program at USF. 
And um, anyway, um, Elliot Katz was uh, the vice president and just this amazing man who became my mentor in the business. And he's like, are you really sure this is what you want to do? And I'm like, well, I think so. Like, love coffee, really want to get into sales, love the hospitality industry. He's like, are you sure? And I'm like, you're kind of scaring me, Elliot. So um, he brought me on as like a temp for a week and um, shuttled me down to Southern California to work with his team down there. And kind of like the rest is history. Like, I loved it. It was really fun. Everything was always like every day was a new day. You never knew what you were going to deal with. And we worked with five diamond, five star properties all the way to the corner liquor store um, that wanted to sell some coffee. So and everything in between. So, um, you know, some really like in institutional coffee to people that wanted like the finest coffees out there. Wow. And this was all under the umbrella of the Sara Lee brand. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't even know Sara Lee had had coffee no. prior to that. So can you tell the, us the brands of coffee they own? Well, so at the, I mean, they have since divested the coffee division and I was in the DSD division, not the retail division, which was a little bit different, but um, we had a brand called Prabika and depending like uh, regionally, some people called it Prabika um, and it was like fair trade organic, actually kind of really ahead of its time. For yeah. coffee. Um, Sarah Lee had this amazing brand for a while called good origins. And again, I think it was a little bit ahead of its time, but you could trace the origin of the coffee and actually get a little bit of history on the, like the farm or the plantation wow. it came from. And, um, that was, um, like Oots certified, you know, there's so many different certifications out there on coffee. And then there's some coffees that aren't certified just because the coffee growing region or the plantations just don't have the money to get their coffee certified. Yeah, no, and we're going to get into that in a second. Cause I think it's really important. Um, to talk about and why and why being eth ethical and fair trade and just educating yourself a little further on that. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, like, I, I don't know if this is too early in the conversation to ask, but what makes a perfect cup of coffee? <laughs> okay. I know. And this is a very loaded question. I mean, like, full disclosure, you and I talked offline. So mm -hmm. we both are on the same page. I mean, there's so much I'm learning from you. But like, I have a little bit of a foundation, but I, I everyone needs your knowledge of okay, so what makes the person. It, it truly is a loaded question. Um, and, you know, it's kind of at the end, once the coffee is in the cup, the, the question can be asked, do you like it or is it not your cup? Okay, so, but there is so much that goes into it prior to even it hitting your cup. I mean, so clearly you can talk about it like at origin and how is, you know, how are the beans picked? Are they hand picked or are they stripped picked? What, if, so what would be the difference between, is there one better than the other? Oh, for absolutely for certain hand picked beans. Okay. So not sure if you are um, like, have ever, you know, like if you're looking at a vegetable garden, let's just take tomatoes, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
they ripen at different times, the same plant. So if you were to, you know, just grab all the tomatoes at one time, some could be at just the perfect ripeness. Some of them could be overripe and some of them could be underripe. So that's the same thing with that little beautiful red coffee cherry. Ooh. And that's, and if you get some that are, wow, this is this, we're getting, we're going to totally geek out on this. So if you're getting some that are underripe, is that going to lead, even though they're going to get thrown into the mix, I'm guessing some, I don't know if there's a rejection process. Like when you see, um, beans or vegetables or something coming down that conveyor belt. And then there's like the, the, you know what I mean? And like certain ones fall off to the side. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a grading process. Oh, okay. So, um, and you know, one like coffee tree shrub, whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. is going to produce different grades of coffee. And, but if you took an underripe coffee bean and you took an overripe bean and after, you know, you take off, you know, the parchment and, you know, the pulp and all of that, um, and also different sizes. Um, you put them, think about putting two steaks on, you have a skirt steak and you have a porterhouse and you grill them for the same amount of time. I mean, that would be a catastrophe, right? Um, And so same thing with the coffee bean. So you really want to make sure from a roasting perspective, the roaster wants to make sure that the beans are uniform in size because they don't, if you're going, well, then you have like, you know, you can put all the beans together and do a roast. Um, and that would just be your roast. But then there's also some like post roast blends where they roast each component and then they blend it afterwards. Mm. So different things you can do, but for the like general mass coffee, they're probably just putting it into the roaster. And then, you know, some might be a little bit over uh, roasted. Some might be a little bit under roasted and really you need to bring out the desired characteristics of each bean. So I reaction. I bet most people haven't had a really good, you think you've had a good cup of coffee, but if you're not paying attention to it being handpicked, single origin, uh, what are some of the other, so let, uh, we need to hold on. We're, we're bouncing all over. And I, I know, love, I know. Sorry. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So what are some, I guess, before we get into defining a perfect cup of coffee, like what are some of the things, if we're going to pick a bag of beans up at the store or wherever the internet, what are some of the things we should look for when buying our coffee? And then we're going to, there's there's so much to talk about. I mean, really, we could talk about the whole time of how to select coffee because first you need to know what type of coffee person are you? Right. Like something. And I'm not even talking about like the, like the finished coffee profile, but like, do you like a light roast? Do you like a dark roast? Do you like a medium? And we're just going to do kind of like light, medium, dark, yeah. because then there's like, you know, people that are like, want Uber light roast. And I mean, to me, they're undeveloped. They're really earthy and they don't just, to me, they don't taste that great. But again, it's that question I asked once you have your finished cup, is it pleasing to you or not? Mm. And so, you know, that's so many things like I'll go to my parents' house and, you know, they are so sweet, but my mom will pick up, you know, what's on sale a lot of times. And they're like, Oh honey, do you want a cup of coffee? And I'm like, Oh, I'm good. Like I just finished a cup in the car. 
Cause like, I just did, like, if I'm going to drink a cup of coffee, I want a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. so first you kind of need to know, do you like what type of roast profile do you okay. like? And, um, because that's really going to determine a lot of things. Um, then you're going to have to know, like, once you have your roast, how do you like a heavy cup of coffee? And that has nothing to do with the roast. Or do you want something that has a little bit of a lighter mouthfeel to mm. it? Because there is like coffee does have mouthfeel to mm. it. And mm-hmm. so I happen to like a really rich cup of coffee. Like I want coffee in there. Um, and so it kind of gets down to soluble solids. So coffee is over 99% water mm-hmm. and you know, that beautiful flavoring that you get in there is soluble solids. Okay. And so, you know, when light roast came around and, um, I'm, I'm going to say the brand, um, you know, Starbucks did a huge thing with their blonde roast and, you know, and actually Starbucks has done so much for the coffee industry. They really have. And some people, you know, you either love them or you hate them. Um, I happen to love them. And it's, and especially like what they have done to bring light to coffee and the industry. And actually their baristas are quite knowledgeable. They have like a great curriculum that they put people through. Um, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, so, you know, went out and, you know, went and got some uh, blonde roast. I'm like, mm, like, that's not for me. Just, I don't care for it. But it started gaining popularity and I had people asking for a light roast. So I'm like, okay, well I need to play with it. And um, I mean, there are definitely lab days that I would have for myself where, I mean, truly it is a science behind it. And um, I would, you know, try to, you know, look at the different variables. So, okay, I have all of the same beans and I'm going to make it using the same brewing method So the water temperature I know is going to be constant. The throw weight, we can play with that, but at least for the throw weight, it will be constant for the first round that I'm going to do. Wait, what's, what's throw weight? The throw weight is how much coffee grounds you put in your brew basket or your French press or your slow pour or however you're going to make it. So that's your throw weight. Okay. And then I would have the water um, the amount of water constant. So if I was, you know, kind of like doing it in the lab, I would do like a half gallon brew, 64 ounces of water going in. Um, and then, you know, then you have your absorption rate. So you usually get about a 56 ounce finished throw weight or throw, uh, the coffee and the pot. So, um, then when I I would play with the grind though. So if Mm. you have a finer grind, you are going to extract more flavor from it. And does that Uh, also give you a different mouthfeel? It does. Definitely. The finer grind has a uh, more rich mouthfeel. Well, okay. So again, then it all kind of depends on how you brew it, how much water you have in it, because if you put too much water, it's going to be watery regardless of there. So, but with this, you know, kind of like formula that, you know, I was playing with for the, um, with the light roast coffee, I found for myself that I wanted a heavier throw weight 
and a little bit of a coarser grind because you can, those are two different variables that you Mm. can play and get more things because there's three functions or three parts of a brew. You have your primary brew where you're really extracting some of like just the really great flavor components of the coffee. Then you have your secondary brew where you're getting, of course, more flavor, but not quite as ideal as the first part. Then the third part or the tertiary part of the brew is kind of where you're bringing everything together. But if you, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody or if you've done it, like stick your um, cup under the coffee maker and, you know, try to get a cup of coffee while it's brewing. Well, million percent. Okay. Well, so if you're only brewing it for you, good for you. Cause you probably had the cup of coffee that you really, really want it. But yep. if that pot of coffee went for anybody else, you completely ruined it for them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that because of, um, I do pour over myself. I use a Chemex every morning. And so when I do do that, obviously I can physically see Cause it's all glass. I don't even have the wooden cone around or whatever it's called sleeve around it. It's just the, the one I bought. So I'm under, I think what you mean by your primary brew, it, your first brew is when the water initially hits the coffee beans or the, the throw weight going to try to use your terms, the throw weight. And then that then goes down and starts dripping into the pot, which is now yep. what we call the throw. And then the second brew is the like half the tank now is going into the throw weight. And then the last part of the brew is that finished of the last few drips coming down through, which is going to have a lighter consistency. Mm-hmm. And you need all of those to marry together to make the perfect pot of coffee. Absolutely. Okay, great. Absolutely. So, <laughs> I'm totally geeking out with you. I am on the same page. So where do we go from <laughs> back to how to make a perfect cup of coffee? Yeah. Okay. So I think the, what, if somebody is w- walking through a grocery store, let's say, because, and then we can get into other ways to buy coffee, but if someone's walking through a grocery store and they're just going to pick out a bag of coffee mm-hmm. that they're going to make, what are some of the things they should be looking at on that bag of coffee? Okay. First off, um, people should buy just enough coffee to get them through to their next grocery shopping trip. Okay. So, you know, if someone's going to Costco, unless they are screaming through coffee, you know, and uh, it's only going to last them for a week, then good for them. They are like, that's amazing. Um, but if somebody is, you know, like my parents, for example, they shouldn't buy like a five pound bag of coffee. It's going to take them a long time to go through it. And even the very best coffee that has just been roasted a few days ago, um, within a couple of weeks, like, you know, and then depending on the storage, like there are so many different things, but if you stored it properly, um, it's just going to start to go bad. So once coffee is introduced to oxygen, it starts to go bad. And then if you have it like in heat or light or anything, um, the freshness is just going to go, it's It's going to tank. tank. So, so buy only what you're going to go through, say in one week, number one, or yeah, your next grocery uh, trip. Yep. Okay. And then number two, number two is 
look to see if there's a roasted date on there um, when it was roasted. So again, it's probably it's packaged perfectly or it should be. Um, So, you know, there definitely is a shelf life to coffee, but if they have the roast date on there, that's huge. And, you know, like look back a little bit, like reach to the back of that row of coffee and see if there's anything fresher back there. Um, so look for the roast date. If they don't have the roast date, look for the best buy date. And if there's something that is, looks like it's going to be expiring pretty soon, I would opt for a different type of coffee. Okay. And there are, you know, there are so many brands of coffee out there. If you happen to have a favorite or, um, you know, a cause that you like that, you know, they work for, you know, that's great too. Um, and there are a lot of private labels out there that are truly just recipes that larger roasters roast for these people. So like do, do your homework on the brand um, and kind of like what they stand for, if that's important to you as a consumer. I agree. So for a roast date, you want something as close to the date that you're purchasing the coffee as possible. Exactly. And if you see a roast date that like, what would be a very unacceptable that it should have been pulled. Like can coffee, if it gets roasted, sit on a shelf for a month. Is that like, Oh my God. Oh, it absolutely can. And it will actually still be a good cup of coffee. Um, but if you know, they, in different companies have different standards of what they will, you know, kind of consider acceptable. Like I've seen coffee out there that, um, has a shelf life of one year. Um, is it going to be as good, you know, six months out as it was when it like the month that it was roasted? Absolutely not. Will it still make a decent cup of coffee? Um, one could say, you know, it, it, it could, um, but, you know, a true, true coffee enthusiast and somebody that really kind of like studies or flavor profile and maybe somebody that just drinks the coffee black um, might be able to taste the, the nuances in there. And then, I mean, a, a, an amazing, pristine like roast of coffee, you know, the longer it sits, like the worse it's going to be. And at some point you could take the best coffee and something that was just like, maybe not very good quality coffee to begin with. And it's going to taste the same. Mm, Okay. And so we've got the buy enough that you're going to have it. Look at your roast date or best buy date. Anything else anyone should consider when Okay. Yeah. So then are you going to buy whole bean or are you going to buy pre-ground? Okay. So for anyone listening to this podcast, if you're not buying whole bean and you have a coffee grinder, I'm just going to say Monica's not going to be your friend. I mean, if you're getting pre-ground coffee, Monica. Well, you know what though, but hold on a second because how you grind the coffee is so incredibly important. So, okay. So I happen to have a commercial grinder at home and like a burr grinder. It's amazing. And I can turn the dial and I could do anything from an espresso grind, like a Turkish grind all the way to, Oh yeah. To a really coarse grind. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, people have their little spice grinders. That's, I mean, that's what I use it for is spice grinding, um, that they do coffee for. So, um, oh God, I don't even know if I should say this. My husband's going to say it. Just say it. So, uh, my husband's a fireman and, um, you know, they buy whole bean coffee at the firehouse and I've sat in a, I've absorbed, like, um, I watched them do coffee and he's just like grinding away and grinding away. I'm like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, why? Like, you know, they overstuff the grinder and then they grind it to really almost like a Turkish, you know, oh my God. and it's a powder. I mean, you could rub it on you <laughs> and, you know, and then they dump it into the brew basket and that's really bad. So if they had gotten just like pre-ground coffee, uh it probably would have been better than, you know, um, miss grinding it for your application. Yeah. I think the, if you're going to get pre-ground coffee, you're going to use a drip coffee maker because pre-ground coffee does right. Does not work well in a Chemex and it does not, at least for me, and it does not work well in a French press and it won't work in a mocha pot. So no, just saying. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. But, so, but, so but people try it. Yeah. They really do try it. Okay. So if you don't have a coffee grinder at home or you're not going to use the one that's probably provided at the store, because mm-hmm. you can most whole most grocery stores or markets have a commercial grade coffee grinder that happens mm-hmm. to be next to where everyone purchases coffee. You can easily put it in and dial how you want it. Correct? Am I right with this, Monica? Oh, yeah. 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 They might not be as clean as Monica would want them to be because that's a whole nother conversation we're going to have in a minute. (laughs) But it still would be better than you doing a Turkish grind for a French press. Correct. Right. And just make sure. And if you are grinding at home and you have like one of the little spice grinders and, or whatever it is, just make sure you don't overload your grinder. Um, just do it in some little batches so that you can get a consistent, um, grind. You're being there. so sweet. Cause there is no way in hell you're getting a consistent grind with a spice no, grinder. For, there's no, not, there's not. not, don't use a spice grinder. You can get a coffee grinder, even like the, whatever the Cuisinart one, the cheapy one is under 40 bucks. I think Yeah, on Amazon. All right. So you heard it here. Just don't do it. Just don't fucking (laughs) do it. Don't do it. Okay. So we've got, you've got your, you've decided you're getting whatever bean you're getting. Is there anything else someone should look for? Like, will it say handpicked on the label on the packaging? (laughs) depending on kind of like the marketing, the marketing that they put on there. And if it's a specialty grade coffee, it probably is going to be a hand-picked coffee because they're going to also be looking at like the size of the bean and looking at, you know, all of what goes into it. So, you know, and there are like, I, you know, I remember like learning about coffee and, you know, coffee, um, you know, Academy 101. Um, but it was interesting. I was, um, I used to manage the Pebble Beach account and um, we were getting ready for a big event that they were hosting. And I was in a meeting with all of their partners and um, they were talking about pineapples. And I'm like, oh, it's yeah, like, I happen to like pineapples. So I was like trying to like learn information. Well, they will only accept a certain size pineapple 
and like certain size berries. So, I mean, even like, you know, your regular produce out there is graded and looked at. So, you know, some of the things you get in the grocery store, you know, like, unless you're, you know, going to like the farmer's market or stuff might not be the highest grade out there. Not to say again, that it's not sweet and delicious, but all of that stuff is graded and looked at for its different properties. Wow. Okay. So, and before we get into the specialty grades of coffee, anything else that someone should look for when picking up a bag in their, in their market to make it like to set them up for better success? Yeah. I mean, really, I think freshness that truly yep. is key. Um, you know, you're going to find uh, at some point what roast profile you like. So that's yep. what you're, uh, selecting and then your grind. So those are, you know, um, holding okay. or if it's ground in or have it specially ground for your brewing method. So those are the things that you want to look for. Great. Then, you know, truly, if somebody is a little bit more like eco-conscious or, you know, looking for coffee that has a little bit more of a heart, they can look for fair trade coffee. So um, Fair Trade USA is an amazing um, like nonprofit organization actually based out of Oakland, California. And I've met with them on several different occasions, just really phenomenal people that are dedicated to a cause. Um, and they, they span so many different um, food products as well as, you know, just mm-hmm. like clothing and everything. Um, so they want to make sure that the workers are actually getting a fair trade for a fair wage for, um, the products that they are producing. Um, so, you know, you can look at like ethically, um, some Mm -hmm. of those items too, and then organic, Mm -hmm. which is huge as well. Um, I was a, um, a judge one year for um, the Cup of Excellence, and uh, we were judging coffees from Peru. And um, I had I'd never been to Peru um, to like to origin and looking at the different plantations. Um, and there's a lot of small like co-ops, and you know people have their little plantations, but they all you know join together to get their coffee out onto the market. Um, but the, they were talking about fair or they were talking about organic and it's really costly to get that organic certification and just due to economics these farmers couldn't afford to get the um, organic certification but they also certainly couldn't afford any pesticides or Mm. compounds that wouldn't lend to like an organic um you know crop as well so again it's kind of like doing your research on where you're getting your coffee. I love that. And I also love what you said about, you know, finding like if having a heart, not you didn't say having a heart. How did you phrase it? You said um you said it beautifully a second ago about I think I actually did use the word having a heart. Like if that is something that is yeah in in, in I, I just I thought it was so beautiful how you said that and like how you you brought to light you know that if there is an organization, cause a lot of coffee companies also have, uh, you know, a connection of this is where some of our profits go causes that they love. They also support local smaller farms or purveyors or, you know, and I, I just, I think it's really important because I 
truly believe that your dollar is a huge impact and a huge voice that you have to for change. And a lot of people in this country don't think their vote matters when I do. I think your vote matters. And I think everyone should register to vote. This is not a political podcast, but <laughs> you know, the midterms are coming up, people. Register to vote. And you've got a huge, <laughs> huge elections in California. So register to vote. And um, you know, another way that your voice can be heard is how you spend your dollars. That if you believe in companies and they're doing good things in the world that mm-hmm. you love and support, then put your money towards that might be a little bit more money, but it's worth it in the end, knowing like who you're supporting it and why. So 100%. love that. I absolutely love that. Now <laughs> we're not going to, not going to ask quite yet how to make the perfect cup of coffee that I asked way too early in the conversation, because there are some big hurdles that we need to get through in order to get to that perfect cup of coffee. And one of them is and Monica's this, this could be another four hour long conversation, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make at home when brewing coffee? Okay. I know. Oh my God. If everyone oh. Monica's face right now. Oh God. Where do we go through? Okay. Um, so again, I think coffee storage is super important. How you store your coffee. So, and where do you, where should you store? Cause a lot of people would say, some people put it in their freezer. Oh God, no. I know, okay. but you know what I mean? Like some people store yeah. this stuff in weird places. So where, where should be? So if you can put it in, like in your pantry, um, that is generally away from light, away from any heat. It's just generally, it's going to be a little bit cooler. Like don't put it next to your oven. Don't put it on, um, you know, your windowsill where, you know, the morning sunlight's going to come and the afternoon sun's going to bake it. Um, so just in a, in a kind of a cool, and I don't mean in the refrigerator, that would be horrible as well. Um, coffee is actually, it's an absorbent. So what I have done before, um, here's like a use for like your extra coffee or coffee that may have like gone stale. And I mean, I used to have like more coffee than I knew what to do with. And so if, you know, we had dinner and I put away the leftovers in the next morning, maybe one of the containers like wasn't closed all the way. And like some, you know, garlic is like wafting in the refrigerator and it's like, oh, I would go and grind a little bit of coffee and put it in a bowl in the refrigerator. The next time I open the refrigerator, the smell is gone better than any Arm and Hammer that you really. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. If you're cooking something or you're prepping something, and let's say there's a lot of like onions, garlic, or fish yeah. or whatever. And the, those smells get on your hands. You can actually rub some grounds on your hands here another useful tip <laughs> and it will help eliminate the odor <gasps> i love this okay but have you ever been to like a breakfast diner or somewhere that just you know cranks through places and they stack their filters on top of each other yes and they think that they are really saving time because the night before you know they're usually like breakfast and uh lunch places oh they god the filters are gonna pick up all the smells yeah oh yeah and they do it and they're sitting out and they're not in an airtight container mm-hmm. and they are just like all of the, you know, bacon and sausage and pancakes 
and omelet aromas are just like infiltrating oh. those beautiful grounds. Oh God. So okay. I, um, I worked with this, um, this casino. It was great. They um, had like just amazing restaurants in there, but they also gave away, um, coffee for free for people on the floor. And, um, <laughs> we got into kind of like a best practices um, discussion that turned into, you know, we definitely had conflicting views of what was a best practice. <laughs> and there, there, there really can't be a conflicting view. Like this is kind of just like based on science, like it's a fact. So and a fact is a fact. So, um, but they, they would just stack their coffee filters and I'm like, Oh, like, like, what are they doing? You know? And so, um, I asked one of the gals that I saw, you know, like diligently, you know, doing her prep work and I'm like, Oh, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, just, you know, getting coffee filters ready for the day. And, you know, out there, people are like puffing on their cigarettes. Um, I'm like, Oh, why do you like, why do you do that? And she's like, Oh, you know, it just saves time. Okay. Well, it actually, it doesn't save time. So, you know, she wasn't the one, like she was told to do that and yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. You know, doing it like beautifully. So, you know, talked to um, the director of food and beverage and like, Hey, just want to like talk about some best practices and things. And she's like, Oh no, it saves us time. And I'm like, well, actually it doesn't save you any time. And, and they, yes, it does. Okay. So, um, I'm like, all right, well, let's just go and like, let's just make some coffee together. So, and they were buying, you know, pre-portioned packs, which actually sometimes if people, or if your coffee purveyor isn't really like managing, um, you know, what they should your equipment, um, pre-packaged coffee, like that's already weighed out in mm -hmm. specific grind to your brewing method is just a beautiful way to do things um, because grinders can come out of calibration and then you're not getting that desired flavor profile that you originally were looking for so I'm like okay so you make how you know you make this pot how you normally make it and I'm going to make a pot like opening the packet so by the time she reached up took the container down took the lid off you know, took it out. Oh, well, so are there grinds on the bottom? Cause you're not putting anything out there. So then you can get grinds in the pot and all of that, um, you know, put, you know, put it into the brew basket, put the lid back on and put it out there. There was less steps for me just opening the packet and, you know, putting the filter in and pouring it in there and just, you know, giving it a little shimmy to make sure that it's even. right. Right. Yeah. So they're like, huh. And also it was sitting on top of the brewer, which the top of it gets hot. And we know that heat's not good for it. Um, and so that was just kind of like an aha moment, but it's like, okay, well, don't believe me, but like, let's just, let's show you the process. And yeah. you know what it does? It just makes a better cup of coffee when you do it properly. Yeah. And um, I'd have to say, I spent almost 20 years in the coffee industry and I have seen so many wrong ways to make coffee and to make espresso and to serve it. There's really one right way to do it mm. and hundreds of wrong ways to do it. All right, you guys, that's it for this week's part one of a two-part conversation with Monica about all things coffee. 
don't worry, next week we're answering all of your listener questions and really getting into how to have that perfect cup of coffee. And can I just say, I've been following her tips and tricks now for um, a week and my coffee has improved so much. So stay tuned. I know you're on the edge of your seat, as you should be. Uh, if you have any questions for the podcast, send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. And of course, go to the website. Go to my website for all of the show notes, elizabethrfuller.com. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Stay tuned for next Friday for the rest of this conversation. In the meantime, lead with kindness, make some yummy food together this weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.